<laughs> Just, no one wants to do it this week. Pure silence, no, no intro. <laughs> oh my god. No one will do the wind up. Oh my god, it's almost the weekend. <laughs> yes, thank god. <laughs> like I could have been trapped in purgatory there forever. No one doing the intro. <laughs> happy Just... Friday. Yes, happy Friday, everybody. It's almost the weekend. My name is Joe, and welcome to the podcast that we do every Friday. Oh, Joe, it's so good to be here. I'm imagining you sitting in like a velvet chair, you know, with like steaming coffee rising up into the ceiling. That's pretty close. I'm not in a velvet chair. I'm in a gamer chair and uh, I do have a coffee, but the steam is not rising to the ceiling. It's, you know, just a little bit steamy. <laughs> That's all right. I like you when you're just a little bit steamy. Yeah. Uh, how, how have you been and what have you been playing? <laughs> Dude, I've been good. As I said just earlier, I got engaged, got mad engaged. Boy, boy, boy. Wah, wah, wah. Dude, yes, congratulations. Yes. That's so huge. Yes, thank you very much. Yes. Um, yeah, man, getting engaged is a real weird time. It's good. I like it. Um, it's just a strange... It's such a ritual, you know? It's like, take this item. <laughs> I'm going to give you this thing. And now, uh, you know... Something is destined to happen in the very near future, I guess. So there you go. That's, you know, it's such a weird thing. Yeah. So I don't, I don't actually know how it works. So do both of you have an engagement ring or just the one person who, who copped an engagement ring on the day one of you proposed? Yeah. I think it's kind of, these days it's just like, uh, ad hoc. W whatever happens is what happens. Like, I right. Think okay. In the case of Twilight Priest, I think and uh, his partner proposed and then they both had engagement rings. I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure on that. And then other people do it, you know, whatever way they want. I think the traditional way is for the man to propose to the woman and then she has the engagement ring. And then on the day of the wedding, they both get a wedding ring. And that's Right, I see. Because, yeah, men, men don't typically wear engagement rings. Though you can, you know, it's just like whatever, you know, do whatever you want. <laughs> Put a ring on your finger. <laughs> He's Off your you engagement Furby. Enjoy. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, it's an item. That's why I say item. It could be anything, you know. So do whatever you want, people. It doesn't matter. Hell uh, yeah. Nothing matters. <laughs> but you it's know what does matter? <laughs> <laughs> no, What's I have that? no segue. I have no uh, segue. Oh, How God. are you doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Man, I, uh, I, had, a, I had a big uh, social week. Saw a lot of friends. Um, one of those friends brought me a video game to play. Oh. And that video game is Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh. And, dude, let me tell you, this shit is wild as hell. This isn't Breath of the Wild. This is fucking Howl of the Wild. This is some, some serious shit. <laughs> Howl. As in the wild is howling, not breathing. Correct. Yeah, very good. Um, man... I, I'm just loving every moment of this game. I have no idea how long I've been playing for. Um, mm -hmm. I've only been playing for like five days, but I've not like watched any movies or read any books or done anything else since I started playing. It's, it's incredible. I just, I just feel like they've done everything right and very little wrong. Um, there's like a few tiny gripes I've got with, um, you know, a couple of things, but in the face of what they did right, it just feels like it's, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, dude, like the freedom, the systems, dude, the combat is fantastic. Yeah. Like 
oh man, I'm just I'm just having a ball. And the vibe, the music, the characters, the world. I yeah. I can't believe that I just sat on this game for five years. Um, <laughs> Never played it. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and it's kind of different to God of War. You know, God of War, I was totally in a vacuum. I had no idea people thought that game was really good. Mm. Um, but I, I've, I know, like, a lot of people I watch on YouTube or people I talk to, like, they love this game. Um, yeah. So, like, I went in kind of knowing that everyone thinks it's fantastic and it's still yeah. just like blowing me away. Blowing away. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah have, have you managed to do any of the beasts yet? Yeah. So I've done two of the beasts. Um, I thought the first beast was fantastic. Oh, I don't know if it was the first one. Oh, it was like, which one was your first one? The Zora one, the water one. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Um, and it was just awesome. You're like riding your hot prince fish dude. And, like, flying up into the air and slow motion shooting shit with arrows. And then, like, you board the beast and it's a fucking dungeon. And then <laughs> yeah, you, like... Walking uh, dungeon. Yeah, and you unlock things in the dungeon and you, you can use your little iPad to control it. Like, oh, my God. It's, yeah. like, yeah. It, like, every every time some they do something new in that game, I'm surprised. I'm, like, wow, I didn't expect this shit. It's so well constructed um and my only gripe kind of what's it called a, a sheikah slate i think um yeah. my only gripe is with the sheikah slate but that's because it it was a wii u game you know and so it utilized the gamepad oh and I, right and i think if you pl- I, I think if you played it on wii u it would have just been amazing because like your map and all your inventory is right there um and yeah when you when you have to go through your inventory when you're like you holding too many weapons or something that's just like a little bit clunky on the switch um but like pretty forgivable in the in the grand scheme of things yeah i think so i'm not 100 percent sure on this but i believe the initial release was actually on the switch and uh it just had a wii u release that i think would have been like you said really well suited to it but i don't know if it was originally designed to be on the, the wii u really oh man yeah. i i i mean I don't, I don't know, but just from playing I'm not sure it, either. like that would really surprise me if it wasn't a Wii yeah. U game, because like yeah. the the slate is pretty much just an just in-world gamepad or a gamepad. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I for some reason I ha- something is telling me that it was um like optimized specifically for the Switch, and then the Wii U gamepad version had to get scaled down. Right, right. Uh, but again, I'm not 100% on sure this this is, you know, this game is old now, so. <laughs> yeah, so, dude, yeah. I like this game is 5 years old. I can't believe Ghost of Tsushima came out 3 years after this. Like yeah. I thought I thought I just was kind of over open world games and I was wrong. Just haven't played okay. a really good one in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people felt have felt that way ever since breath of the wild came out and then when elden ring came out and it sort of did a, a lot of similar things where it was like oh there's all these points off in the future you, or off in the distance you can see them there's nothing mm. really on your map to determine you know what that exactly is you just go in that direction mm. and and you know you unlock some more of the map or you find a new ability or you find new cool new weapons or you know whatever you find a dungeon yeah yeah um, I- it's that kind of exploration that people really like yeah, and Elden Ring did get the exploration um, right, but I think where Breath of the Wild wins out is that the exploration in Breath of the Wild is always meaningful. You know, in Elden Ring, you might 
go to a cool place, but you don't really find many cool things or useful things. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, it's like The Last of Us turned up to 11, right? So in The Last of Us, you've got these simple systems where you scrounge and you have combat and then you use your scroungings to fuel combat or like heal yourself. Um, yeah. And in, in Breath of the Wild, it's it's like that, but just amplified. So, like, you know, when you're exploring, you find, like, flora that's specific to the area, and that flora, like, helps you recover hearts. You can cook it to, like, unleash its special properties. Like, it might allow you to climb up icy places or withstand fiery places. And then, like, you've got the enemies that you kill... And then the things you loot from the enemies, like their tongues and their horns and stuff, like that's just, oh man, you can make elixirs with that. You can <laughs> di- you can dye your armor. You can trade monster parts with this wacky shopkeeper for unique things. And like those unique things change how you play the game. It's just like, it's amazing, dude. I can't, I can't believe how well everything is designed. Yeah, I I have fond memories of it. The thing that I remember having a really big gripe with was the dungeons, specifically the beasts. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I really never had a good time in any of those beasts. I remember getting in them was always dope, like the way that you they introduce you to it and the journey inside the beast is always really cool. But when mm-hmm. once I was in there, I almost always felt like the puzzles were like, I don't know, just like had nothing to do with anything that was really going on. They were just like, you know, dumb rotate puzzles or like, I don't know. I just, I just remember not liking it. Um, Oh man. But the, yeah, all of the stuff that you mentioned, you know, all of the exploration, the weapons, the finding of that, that dude who gives you the the unique gear and the cooking is so cool. A game with cooking. Yeah. Put put more cooking in my video games, please. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. the, The cooking is really well implemented. Um, yeah. Oh man, that's that's crazy what you what you say about the dungeons though. I've loved them so far. I mean, I've only yeah, done right. two of the big ones, but like, um, they've really surprised me both times. Like the first yeah, right. one surprised me when it was like you can control the elephant and you've got to change like where the water goes. I was like, that's so yeah. fucking cool. And then <laughs> the second one I did, you get into the beast and it's pitch black, and I was like, whoa! I was not expecting this. Um, and uh, yeah, just the, the overall design where like, you know, they, they basically design a challenge and because the systems are so good, you can find solutions to that challenge in like heaps of different ways. And I, I like, you know, it's something they've designed, but I always feel like I'm super smart and I've come up with some unique way to like (laughs) beat the dungeon. And it's just like, crazy how often i feel like i'm coming up with something original and i think that's like that's key to a good video game you know when you've got that like collaborative aspect where you know the game designers have put real effort into something and you feel like you're contributing to your own experience it just yeah man it just works so well for me yeah that's awesome man i'm glad you're digging it and i'm glad um I'm glad you're digging the bit the beasts as well because yeah that was one one of the sticking points that I didn't want to like color you with before you'd done a couple of them because I remember last time we spoke about this game you were like I haven't found I haven't you know I've been playing for like ten hours and I haven't found a single one or I sort of saw one but didn't go in yeah I was like, yeah. yeah cool um, but yeah it's, it's it's awesome that you're digging it man like that's that's, that's good hell yeah I love loving video games what They're about good. what about you dude you've been playing anything 
Oh, um, I have not. I've been watching um, anime, actually. Anime Boy here, Anime Boy <laughs> 90, 69, 69. Um, I've been, <laughs> still been reading Chainsaw Man, which is very, very cool. And yep. um, watching uh, anime called uh, Hands Off Isoken, which is like a story about these three uh i think they're high school girls and they make an anime together <laughs> in Ooh. their like anime club um, <laughs> at school. and yeah it's it's so it is very meta but it's like it's such a love letter to like being an artist and being an animator it's just like one of the characters or they, they've all got their own parts you know like so there's an animator girl um and then there's like an artist girl who does like all of the backgrounds and art for everything. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a producer one and she's like the one who keeps everyone in line and <laughs> make mm. sure everyone's like hitting, hitting targets and, and deadlines and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they, uh, they go into like enormous amounts of detail about like why you do staging a particular way and, right. and like, you know, what, what sort of, you know, the ways that you observe things has to be like, you know, it's, it's like, they see something in the real world and they like try and like make it applicable applicable to the thing that they're trying to make so it's like nothing is just like the way it is because they say it is there is they're always like you know the wings on this creature have to be a certain way so that it, you can survive in this climate and the things that hunt it need to you know like it's all like interlinked in a really cool way which which is very uh, you know like i said it's like a love letter to detail in animation and art and stuff really wow like yeah, cool. It kind of um, sounds similar to Bakuman. Did you ever get into that? No, I don't think I did. That's um, that's by the guys who wrote Death Note. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, their follow-up was about two mangakas. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I think I read a couple of episodes of the manga. About. Yeah, yeah. I think there's like... I think there's three seasons of the anime at like 25 episodes a pop. And I remember it was like pretty good but yeah it sounds similar in that the detail they go into like yeah. one of them's i think writing the story and one is doing the drawings and like they meet with their editor every other week and yeah the detail in in like making a manga car like finding success yeah uh, all that stuff yeah it was really interesting yeah yeah it's like it's it's very cool i love i love the sort of like um it's not like about people with magic powers. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like one thing that you can do in your life that is so cool and fun. You know? Yeah, totally. It doesn't have to always be about saving the world, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like a big fight or something. It's not violent. It's just like a chill time. Yeah, nice. Um, anyway, uh, do you want some news? Oh, bro, I'm so hungry for your news. Well, right. okay. I mean, I know it's the romance <laughs> episode, but I didn't mean to make that as sexy as it sounded. <laughs> Uh, it, it sounded um, just as sexy as I wanted it to sound. So. Okay, great. Um, this is pretty threadbare news. There's not much here. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, if anything, have three small bag chips instead of a three-piece feed. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm not super hungry this week. Um, <laughs> so, Potionomics uh, is coming out on October 17th. And this is a game that has been in development for a really long time. Um, mm -hmm. It's sort of like a... From what I can tell, it's like a well-animated visual novel with potion making thrown in. Oh. And so you are like a, um, a potion maker. Potion maker. Um, and, <laughs> and you have to make potions for various, you know, like uh, NPCs in the game that are like heroes or like, you know, 
people in the, in the town, you know, like, so my son is sick. What can you make for him? And you make him a potion. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, it's beautifully animated. It's very, it's like a Disney Pixar style uh, oh. level of, you know, kind of character design going wow. on. Wow. Um, and it's been in development for such a long time. Do you remember when I was freelancing? Uh, like several yeah. years ago? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that was like five years ago now, but yeah. They, I was emailing them to be like, hey, I like the look of this game. Can I help out with animation? Wow. Uh, and that was like, the game didn't appear to have anything new <laughs> in it when they announced like the other day that they were releasing. And I was like, what have they been doing? <laughs> no I'm sure shit. it's going to be great. But man, that's such a long development time for, you know, what is effectively a potion making game. Yeah, no shit. Potion seller. I hope potion there's some seller. potion seller references. I mean, how could you not? You would have to, yeah. I I don't know what what I would do if I played that game and there were no. Po- I would get a refund. That's what. <laughs> uh, that's cool though. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, I think it'll be a cool little game. Um, the next bag chip is uh, Halo Infinite is having a real hard time right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wonder they... why. Where's the Where's the couch co-op? You losers. So couch co-op. Uh, they, they were in a little bit of hot water recently because there was a, like, a not a hacker, but, you know, a person who had, like, modded the game in such a way that they made the split-screen co-op possible again. Oh, So my there's, God. like, a mod, really, you know, they were saying that you can't do it because of system restrictions or whatever, and then the modder was like, but actually, I did this. <laughs> um, I mean, so there's, there's parts of that that I, I think are cool, but also it's, like... Just because you can do it doesn't mean that it's actually a possibility. So there's all sorts of things that come down to like, you know, when you're developing a game like that, that the reason that you keep it out is really specific. <laughs> like you, it's just because it like it can be done doesn't mean that it works in every single scenario, like mm. all the time. So mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. if you can show some screenshots or some gameplay of split screen working in like certain situations on certain hardware, but it's like not going to work on every hardware in every situation all the time you know like that's what testing is for <laughs> and so like yeah. it's this weird piece of news where it's like how dare they leave out this thing that is actually just in the game anyway that this mm. modder was able to do it's like no bro <laughs> yeah it's it's a bit bit of a strange one anyway yeah i think i think like cynical me is just like yeah i bet split screen isn't in there so that they'd hope they could sell more copies you know that's two copies yeah. instead of one um but yeah. you're probably right or it's a combination yeah totally i yeah who knows maybe there were plan. it's it could be even worse you know maybe they were planning on having it be like an added dlc later on down the track or something i don't know fucking yeah well that's what they originally said they were like split screen yeah split screen will be added by this date and then when that date rolled around they said we're not doing split screen we're doing we're doing like costumes and pay to costume shit i can't remember what that's called but yeah 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 um cosmetic stuff yeah 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 yeah. um yeah so man that's what that story is worse than i thought it was that's that's (laughs) not good yeah so yeah i feel a little bit bad for halo fans but i also don't (laughs) i think (laughs) you know like this is one of those things in video games it's like we've talked about before it's like franchise just just go on and on and on and it's it's like not sustainable and at a certain point it just becomes like a bit trashy (laughs) oh totally like halo hasn't been good for years and years and it's just like any of the current franchises like 
Call of Duty hasn't been good for ages. Assassin's Creed hasn't been good since Black Flag. Like, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm pretty ignorant. I say that, and I haven't played a Call of Duty or an Assassin's Creed game in a long uh-huh. time. <laughs> so yeah, not missing out on much. Oh, look, I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game in ages either, but uh, I assume they're all the same. Um, yeah. And same with uh, Call of Duty. It's just... The thing that gets me with Call of Duty, let me just get on my little high horse here for a little bit. The thing that got me with Call of Duty, (laughs) I don't know which one it was, and I don't want to say, because in case I have friends who have worked on it, Mm -hmm. um, but in this particular version of Call of Duty, you, when you got the game, you got the disc, I think it was two discs, you had to install the game and then there was a play disc. Mm -hmm. It was huge, right? Huge, massive. Many, many gigs of memory. Yeah. You go to play the game... And it's like, do you want to play co? Uh, do you want to play single player or multiplayer? And I was like, all right, I want, I want to play single player. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're gonna download a patch. Okay, fine, download the patch. You play the first forty-five minutes of the game, and it's like, okay, cool. You played the first part of the single player. Now go to the store and and uh, download the next part of the single player campaign. Oh, like, as in the what? full campaign wasn't included? No. Oh my god. It actually came in like three or four parts. Oh god dude that's what we were talking about the other week with dragon age inquisition games games that (sighs) ship at full price with incomplete stories that's just well no it 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 came with the full thing but you just had to download each part and it wasn't a paid thing it was just like you just had to download it it just wasn't included on the disc oh okay that's very strange that's yeah that's bizarre and and then at at one point i got up to like i think it was the third installation and like I, i the game just bugged out and I couldn't play it. <laughs> and I was like, this is bad, man. Like, oh, this geez. is Call of Duty. Like, this is the biggest shooting franchise in history. Yeah. Oh. And it's broken. Oh. <laughs> I can't play it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a full price AAA video game. Oh, that's fucked. And like, yeah, anyway, so I don't, I don't know what's going on with with that franchise like that that's what i mean you know like it's they they live for too long to see their own gruesome death it's like <laughs> they become like you know necromancers just their soul jar is somewhere and like it's just the but their body's just like <laughs> it's just a de- decaying in front of you <laughs> um so yeah final piece of news is <laughs> the crypto bio plushie which is um, wait wait hold on the what Crypto bio, you know, from um, Death Stranding. Uh huh. The little oh, floaty oh, dudes. Bro, I'm scarred from Alice's topic, man. You said know, crypto, and like I just seized You're... up. My muscles started spasming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the little, the little like grubby floaty things, right? Yeah, your game of mouth went dry. Yeah, you started seeing red. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little, pl- the little, you know, floaty things that you can pick out of the sky. That yeah, yeah. Says, Ugh, and he yeah. doesn't like them. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, very they, crunchy. Yeah, they heal you up real good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, a, I think there's like three different sizes. There's like a little baby one. There's like a medium sized one, then a large crypto biote plushie. Um, that you'll be able to buy at TGS for, I assume, ridiculous amounts of money and then even <laughs> more expensive probably on the Kojima Productions website, which, you know, I'm going to buy one. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. That's it for news. Hell yeah. I've actually got uh, a little bag chip that is related to a piece of news you gave me a couple of weeks ago. Hell yeah. Um, so this was related to uh, Mid Journey, that 
AI generation art generation software or yeah I, I don't know if it's software but whatever um so last time you mentioned it you were saying that there's this kind of um you know there's there's a, a discourse storm happening where you can enter prompts into this AI beast and uh, like as part of those descriptions you can include artist names and the AI will mm. create art in their styles and those artists yeah. are like what the fuck um kind of related to that um an ai generated artwork won first place at a state fair fine arts competition in colorado um yeah i and, saw this and and artists are piss, pissed and yeah. like of, of course they would be but one thing i found really interesting um was that the person who won he uh he was kind of defending himself like I worked yeah. really hard on the prompts, um, and I just thought that was so hilarious. You know, like, the the kind of hard work over a long period of time to get good <laughs> at creating art is... He's just, like, understating all of it. He's like, you know, I worked really hard on the prompt. And, like, you know, this, this AI generation shit has only been out for, like, a couple of months, right? So, at most, he spent a couple of months trying to create this. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't believe that, like, he thought it was valid. Yeah. Um, that, that just blew my mind. And, you know, I'm not an artist. And, I, I, like, I don't know if I'm pissed, but I'm just, like, fucking gobsmacked. Like... Yeah, okay, you won and it's like a, a a prank or a joke or whatever, but like to win and be like, yeah, this is the result of all my hard work. Like fuck you, dude. That's that's <laughs> yeah. that's malarkey. <laughs> yeah, it is malarkey. Yeah, the, there was a follow-up article that was like an interview with the art or the man who made the prompt, I guess. Mm-hmm. The the prompt engineer. Um <laughs> who said who, who says the art world is in denial quote unquote about tech about this kind of technology oh uh, he says this technology exists and he's creating pieces that can prove uh, that prove it can do this now um and so you know he's obviously a fucking mad tech bro <laughs> like, uh and it's just such a weird stance to take after entering and then winning an art competition oh my god it's very weird. Anyway, we said last time that that's its own topic, and it, it kind of is. I'm so yeah. intrigued about, like, what that means for, like, you know, video games and, and artists, and, yeah, it's it's a real curveball when it's taking, like, original styles and original ideas, and or, like, it's beating out original ideas, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a very strange concept to me. Yeah, um, one of my ex-workmates work, and, like, very viral uh, art creator, I think his name is Alex uh, Reese. Mm-hmm. He, you've probably seen one of his art pieces before. It's really famous. It's, like, this giant uh, alien-looking creature standing on the horizon, and it's, like, a in front of a sunset on a beach. Um, mm. I won't send it to you because I can't find it right now, but um, let's see if I can find... No, that's it. recently. That's all right. I can I can imagine yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Ima- imagine it. It's got like this huge golden wings and uh, yeah, these little alien creatures on the on the on the beach. He he actually worked on a game um, semi recently. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Subnautica. 
Oh man, I've heard great things about that. Yeah, Subnautica is really really cool. Um, mm. Yeah, he was he was tweeting earlier saying. Uh, I'm just going to read his tweet out. It says, I always feel slightly less happy having seen an AI artwork. You might say it's because it's a threat to my industry, but I don't know. The negative feeling is immediate, instinctive. Something in me can sense its grotesqueness. Wow. Um, That's and I think a lot of, yeah. And I think a lot of really proficient, you know, pr highly professional artists like Alex mm. see these AI artworks and um, for the most part can tell that they are generated by, by an AI. Mm, and are mm -hmm. re repulsed by them in in this sort of really interesting uncanny valley sort of way yeah. where it's like you you know maybe on first blush you can't tell but if you zoom in or if you spend any amount of time actually looking at the brushwork or the way that it's pieced it together it's like wait a minute this is not something in this is not right right um, and so yeah i think that's that's a really interesting aspect of the whole ai thing as well it's like for the normies or for, you know, everyone else out there, apart from highly proficient artists, this stuff is like possible or like even attractive to look at. Oh like yeah. Won, I won an art prize, but yeah. I, I love the look of it. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't have a livelihood that, uh, relies. <laughs> that relies on it. Yeah. Um, but when, you know, we've, we've played around together, like the, the thumbnail for this podcast is AI generated and I think it looks fucking awesome. Um, yeah yeah i i think as far as it goes it's definitely a, an amazing idea generation tool and even mm -hmm. like for smaller you know people who aren't generating income from the thing that they're making if they want to make you know like a bunch of weapons for their D, &D character or mm -hmm. like you know podcast artwork or you know they've got like a a little web series that they're putting together and they need to do art for like the, the cover art for it or whatever. And they can't afford to pay an artist because they're, they're literally paying no one else to do anything, mm. you know, like this is just their passion project. And AI art is kind of an okay way to go about, you know, getting something started. But, you know, the moment that we start making any real amount of money for this podcast, I'm going to pay an artist to make something for us. Like, <laughs> uh. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. Like it's a really weird territory like moral territory like i still think people are kind of figuring it out a little bit a lot yeah 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 well it's very new yeah really new it's very new um then yeah there's some other stuff to do with like um ai reinterpreting video footage so they're using these imaging tools like midjourney and stable diffusion and other ones to um have video input footage input and then regenerate art on top of it and so it becomes like a moving picture sort of like an animation oh okay um it's not an animation because no one did any animating it's like video footage that's just been traced over by an ai but it, it, ha it can have some really novel interesting looks to it and it's quite stable in some cases as well like it doesn't look all jittery and weird it's like you know mm. it kind of looks like a iphone filter or something like it's it's quite i'm quite striking, striking i'm imagining something like Richard Linklater's A Scanner Darkly, you know, how they they yeah. filmed everything and then drew over every frame and it gives it yeah. that wacky shaded look. Yeah, totally. I think that that sort of thing, that film could be made way cheaper <laughs> in, the, in the case of using an, an AI to do to do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's well, weird times. There you have it, folks. Um, before you <laughs> seduce me, um, with this week's topic. I just have some addendums to uh, last week's episode. So every every now and again when we record 
I say something and my anxiety brain is like, new core memory unlocked. Uh, did you just lie to your audience? And I just wanted to, um, you know, so I can sleep at night. I just wanted to correct a few things. So last week I said um, a 10 out of 10 mm. uh, includes my likelihood to recommend whatever it is I'm I'm consuming, whether it's a video, uh, like a book or a movie or a video game. And that that's wrong. So what I'm, it's kind of superfluous. So like, right. I, I mean, 10 out of 10 is its own topic. We should do that. Cause I kind of, you know, <sighs> you threw that question in right at the end and I thought it was yeah, yeah. super cool. Um, but like, I feel like a lot of your own personal experience goes into how you rate something. And then based on that rating is whether I would recommend it. And I just wanted to to make that clear because w- whether I would recommend something doesn't elevate the rating, if that makes sense. Right, um, right. And what else? What what else did I say? Oh my god, yeah. So um, when I say I beat Sekiro in ninety minutes, while that's true, I'm in New Game Plus, right? Um, right. I'm not starting a new save file because. When you're in New Game Plus, even though, like, the enemies have more health or whatever, you're just, like, completely decked out. So, like, yeah. there's no tutorials. You just fucking blast through. And also, in Sekiro, there's a thing you can do where you skip out on, like, the last 20% of the game. Um, oh, right. And you just go straight to the final boss. Um, and, like, if you're a normal player, you should never do that because, like, Fountainhead Palace is the area you miss. And that's a beautiful area. That's like the best area in the whole game. It's amazing. Yeah. And also the, the final boss fight is different um, when you go through that area and that final boss is way better than the yeah. um, the other one. Um, yeah. I have been playing a bit of Sekiro as well, actually. Man, that game. I think we should talk about it another time because I'll play oh, it more this week and we'll talk about it next week. But yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm pretty hard for that game. So anytime, Joe. Anytime. Um, Speaking of being... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hit me. Hit me. Hit me. <laughs> this week's topic is video. Uh, is a uh, romance in video games. Like <laughs> this week's topic romance. is video games. It's video games. Welcome <laughs> to video games. Um, so in preparation for this, this week's episode... Uh, I, I've written a bunch of notes down and I also watched Tim Rogers' six hour long Tokimeki Memorial video in its entirety. Oh, hell yeah. I think last time when he recommended I take a break whilst watching one of, uh, I, I took the break and then just didn't finish watching the video. It was towards the end, but it was, it was you know, there was still a third left or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I watched the whole thing and uh, man, oh, man, oh man, that game is... Very, very intriguing to me for a lot yeah. of reasons, which we probably get into in this topic. Hell yeah. Um, so I just wanted to float this first thing at you and see sort of, you know, bounce this idea off your brain, I guess. And yeah, see yeah. what you think. So um, romance <laughs> in, in video games uh, uh-huh. can have two different types. Okay. So the first type is basically the same kind of romance as in a movie or a mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. where the romance is something that you witness and just happens to you. You have no influence over it at all. It just is like, you know, a current in the story story. Okay. Yep. And the second type is like the Bioware style or, you know, any kind of interactive style fiction where you can change the outcome based on choices. Mm. Okay. Um, I think, I think I would add a third type. Hell yeah. 
Um, and to give examples, I'd go that first type where you just kind of watch it unfold like a movie would be like an Uncharted game. Yeah, you know, there are love, yeah, yeah. right. So there are love triangles in that. You kind of watch it happen. You got your second type, which is like you said, Bioware games, where you create a character, but you also are an established character in that world. You know, you're not just like Big Harry. You're Commander Shepard, um, Harry, and yeah. that that uh, you know that carries some weight. Um, but the romances are a lot more individual. Um, and then and then I add a third type, which is like when there is no kind of pre-written story in any way. So like um, in The Sims, right, where you right. romance someone and like there's you know you have to project the story basically. Like, you know, where you met, like, what you talked about, like, none, none of that stuff is, is pre-written or you don't have kind of pre-designed options like you do in those other games. Yeah, interesting. So it's all just, like, emergent through the player's imagination. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that's sort of similar to the romance in or the perceived romance between the main character in Disco Elysium and... Um... Kim Kitsuragi? Uh, nah, because they're like pre-written characters. And mm. like, while if you see everything that game has to offer, there is some subtext around yeah. that relationship being more than just colleagues. I think the, the, um, the main romance, uh, at least the main romantic vibes I got is between um, the main character and the smoker on the balcony. Mm. Um, you know, there's, I, I feel like while, uh, there is some stuff between Harry and, and Kim, I think a lot of that is actually the audience falling yep. in love with Kim and yep. like, they're just like, well, I'm controlling Harry. So therefore, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but I yep. think if you just look at the narrative that's, that's actually there and you're not kind of reading in between the lines, so to speak, I think there's more chemistry between, between Harry and the smoker on the balcony. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I've got a little question in my notepad here that's saying, can you tell a compelling romance story without dialogue choices in video games? Without? So, oh. Dialogue choices. So, so yeah. in the example of the love triangle in, in the Naughty Dog game, um, Uncharted. Uh, yeah, without dialogue choices. That is a really good question, and I'm, I'm trying to... I mean... Yeah, one of one of the more compelling romance kind of <laughs> romance quests. Can you call it a quest? I don't know. But yeah. like the, the the romance aspects of a video game was in The Witcher Three, but like that's also just a bunch of dialogue choices. Now that you kind of boil it down, um, man. Yeah, like you can you can fail out of those romances, right? That yeah. You're playing the game, you don't have to choose one or the other. You can yeah. do either or both, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I think if you do both, you end up alone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, you, you can also choose not to engage with, with either and, and end up alone, but happy. Um, yeah, God, I'm trying to think of something. There's got to be something where like, you know, the medium of just like, you know, actions you take with your character have an impact on someone and there's like some romance as a result. It's really, 
dude, you've kind of stumped me. I can't think of anything. <laughs> How is there not anything? I guess. All right. I mean, it's a bit of a stretch to call it romance, but what about the experience of meeting someone when you're playing Journey and oh, yeah. you kind of, you can't talk, like you can talk in symbols or whatever, so you can kind of communicate, um, you know, by exclaiming a symbol, but really yeah. a lot of the communication in that game happens through action. And I suppose it's kind of up to the player then whether that's, a romantic experience or not. I think I would never consider it to be, but that's like the only thing I can think of where even even with an NPC, um, where you're kind of engaging with your actions rather than with dialogue choices. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, so another example that I just that I started thinking of just then was like people who get married in games like wow <laughs> mm. or like you know these games like i i witnessed like a wedding in warframe <laughs> so like it's like you know these games don't necessarily uh inherently facilitate these romantic interactions um but through the you know player ingenuity and some of the systems that are in the game you can make these things sort of happen mm, yeah um, yeah 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 the way the warframe wedding was actually really interesting they had like two streamers um and uh one of the voice actors from the game i, I think he was like one of the main bad guys oh, managed yeah. to they managed to rope him into doing the like officiating or whatever it's called. oh my god like as the celebrate yeah yeah oh my god yeah, it was really cool. Um, wow. And I mean, if if you weren't in either of the streams, you couldn't hear this guy's voice. So it would have been really weird just like showing up at one of these relays and having like, you know, 200 people all standing in a big circle <laughs> with two people in the middle. No um, shit. But yeah, they'd like organized, you know, where everyone had to stand and, you know, the outfits that they were going to wear. And <laughs> it was all very, very cool. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's like, that's a whole... A whole thing altogether right like that's mm. that's real romance i assume um and kind of reappropriating it digitally that's yeah. that's that's some new age shit you know like 20 years ago people were getting married like under the sea in scuba suits and you know <laughs> doing diving. doing quirky shit like that exactly but yeah. now now we're digital baby i'm sure there's got to be marriages in second life right surely like, maybe maybe that's a fourth type of romance in video games like where it's completely up to the players you know you're not actually romancing uh a pre-written character or an npc you're romancing another human being yeah uh, but you're romancing their avatar yeah yeah and i think like as we go a little bit further into all of this vr stuff i mean probably not for a long time yet but i think there'll be more of this you know like people mm. having romantic connections in these spaces mm. you know? and it, uh, as well as that this is like i mean it's a little bit um i don't know cliche or whatever to mention but the film her where people are falling in love with the ais and such oh bro um, that's not cliche that's a beautiful film beautifully written beautifully acted yeah. oh my god yeah. yeah i really like that yeah um but yeah i mean that's a whole other thing as well right where like let's say you are playing a video game and an npc is talking to you and the npc's text is entirely generated by an ai mm. uh and the st you start having a real conversation with this 
person with this AI and you mm -hmm. fall in love with them. <laughs> and it's like, I think that was the, the plot for, um, uh, what was it? A real guy? No, no. Um, new guy the the film that ryan uh, ryan reynolds was in where he was like an npc in a video game oh yeah i actually have seen that um yeah yeah is there a love story in that fuck i can't even yeah, there remember is. it was a bad movie yeah yeah it looked like they had fun making it though and oh yeah and that that does bring me some joy when i watch trashy films you know i'm like i oh, know this is going to be trashy but it's like when adam sandler just gets all his friends together <laughs> yeah, like yeah. i can i can i can dig that vibe uh, yeah totally yeah so i think that's like another thing that we're going to see sort of cropping up as well like mm. uh, like i think ai is going to play a huge role in in the invention of these npcs as romanceable people mm -hmm. um because I think like, so, so for me with, with the first example of like non-interactive romances, I think those tell a more poignant style story, mm. but they don't necessarily drive player motivation. I think they can be like at odds with player motivation sometimes. T totally. Um, well, that like these, these are characters that you don't have any license over how they act, totally. you know, like, I mean... And I, I don't want to go into narrative dissonance or anything, but yeah, it's like in the cutscenes of Uncharted, you're like schmoozing with your girlfriend. And then in the gameplay, you're like mowing down human beings with an assault rifle. Yeah. Um, and that is dissonant as well, right? Like that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's about um, as dissonant as it gets. Yeah. And then the, the other example, which I think is less powerful, maybe it's just that there hasn't been a, a good example or I haven't personally enjoyed any of the examples on offer, but like, in you know mass effect or whatever you're i found myself really motivated to like you know go and do the next mission for liara or whatever so that i could mm -hmm. get the next piece of dialogue and make the right choice to romance mm -hmm. that person right like mm -hmm. it the, the romance itself drives the player motivation and pushes them through part of the story which mm -hmm. i think is a little like i think it's kind of untapped you know it's like in in bioware they do it a little bit you know, but it's, it's never like a part of the main thrust of the story or even like it's kind of just sort of these little relegated side things. Um, so, yeah, I think it's like you can really make a player do something, <laughs> you know, go out of their way to do something that they wouldn't normally do um, because of their attachment to one of these characters. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty good point, really. And the thing that I appreciated about Mass Effect is that... I mean, honestly, those those characters are really well written and they have their own romantic preferences, you know, like yeah. in, the, in the second Mass Effect, Morden was my favorite character and I was super hot for Morden and I like tried to come on to Morden and he was just like, bro, I don't give a shit about sex. I just want to be a scientist. And I was like, you know, <laughs> that that's super cool. And he, he says it really eloquently and he lets yeah, you down yeah. easy. And that felt really, I mean, I hate to use the, overuse the word, but it felt really poignant because yeah. he's a blunt, to the point scientist type. And we still got to have this moment, even though, um, you know, it didn't really result in, in what I was aiming for. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. I think, uh, yeah, that Bioware in the past have done a really good job of writing those romances. I think 
there's obviously some misses in there as well but there's a reason why people go back and play over and over again those games and do all the romances or just re-romance the same character over and over again for sure uh, garris Um, (laughs) and so yeah that yeah i think it's yeah super untapped in a lot of other games where you know dialogue choices uh, can be a way to you know progress a romance or you know make a romance either happen or not and then have that be a driving force behind a lot of the stuff that happens. Um, yeah. That that said, though, it's it's like totally a personal thing. Like some people aren't interested in romance, and if that's the core thrust of, you know, the reason that you're making that these players do particular things in the story, then it's like kind of like pointless. They're not going to do it or be motivated by it. So yeah. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting little aside. Definitely, definitely. Um, did you ever play a game? a visual novel called Doki Doki Literature Club? Uh, I didn't. Um, but... Do you know about Doki Doki Lit Club? Yeah, so I know it's like a high school game and there are four girls. Yep. That's it. That's all I got. Oh. Okay. Um, do you care about spoilers for this game? Um, Would you ever play it? I mean, I kind of do, only because in the past you've said dude, you've got to play this game and you've got to yeah. play it blind. Yeah, um, okay. So I don't know if you can take what you were going to say about that game and apply it to something else, like Had a Full Boyfriend or something like yeah, that. I can, I can. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pivot it around. So Doki Doki Literature Club is a romance game at its core uh-huh. um, and it is a visual novel as well. So the thing that I'll pivot it towards is like the really... Uh, disproportionate amount of mainstream romance games in areas like Japan, where a lot of these, you know, visual novels are based and are coming out of. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of, you know, girl dating sims, boy dating sims, harem style games, you know, whatever you, you, you name it. Like a lot of this stuff is made like in Japan compared to the West where like, you know, our romance seems to happen in not very many games <laughs> we don't have <laughs> we don't really have it you know we have we have our our triple a's and yeah. a lot of the time they don't have much romance in them yeah um and so yeah i thought that was just like another little interesting aside like uh something i made a note of there just like oh there's all these visual novels and all of them are heavily romantic and mm. none of that stuff seems to be getting made you know you have like had a full boyfriend or um daddy dating simulator or <laughs> you know games like those which are mm. starting to crop up a little bit now more yeah. these days um which is cool uh, i think it's cool that indies are tackling m- this style stuff yeah um, yeah but just like disproportionate seems to be uh seems to be coming out of the the areas like japan totally and like you know had a for boyfriend and that daddy dating sim one like they're both kind of satirical yeah, and, and it, it's just interesting. Like the two Western examples you have are kind of also, while being firmly in the genre, they're also making fun of it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I think had a full boyful uh, boyfriend is just such a good example of that because it's just immediately absurd. You're yeah. you're a human. Your character is human, and you're dating like. IRL pictures of pigeons, you know, like it's just, <laughs> it uh, immediately kind of strikes that satirical tone really well. Totally. Um, and then the, the last thing that I've got here is um, around a game that released a little while ago 
um, by Mountains. It was a game called Florence. Did you ever play Florence? No, I haven't heard of it. So Florence is an iPhone slash iPad game, um, mm-hmm. which is just like a maybe like a 45 minute long to an hour long experience. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, where you progress through this sort of hashtag relatable. <laughs> I'm sort of <laughs> trying my best to like skew this in a in a um I don't know. I'm just going to try and push through it. Um, you're like in this hashtag relatable relationship with this guy, or you witness this relationship happen between this guy and this girl, uh-huh. and it, it progresses linearly. But the way that you interact with the parts of the story is very uh, novel. So like you're there. Um, having a conversation with this guy, you know, sitting at a coffee table on either side. Mm-hmm. And um, the conversation isn't actually said with words that that's speech bubbles that you um, slot in puzzle style, you know, what two piece puzzle style with your, the person across from you. So like they'll say something and you say something, and then it's up to the player to piece that puzzle piece into their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as the, as the, um, the conversation goes on, the puzzles become, easier and easier so it's almost as if the conversation that you're having with this person is flowing and getting easier to say and it's oh. not like you're struggling to understand one another because the puzzle pieces are way way more simple until eventually it's not like there's any puzzle to be had you're just saying your your thing and the person is responding interesting um, they, they then later subvert that by having the puzzles become more and more complex and jagged and um, you know, the conversation basically breaks down at a certain point and you're unable to fit the pieces together. And it's like a really neat little visual uh, metaphor for like, you know, communication breaking down. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cute. And so, yeah, there's the only reason I, I sort of bring um, that first part up that I sort of shied away from was because this game was developed by mountains, which was headed up by Ken Wong. And I don't know if you remember, but Ken Wong was a part of that, um, He's the uh, auteur Anna, dude. Yeah. Right? Didn't he yeah. work on Watam? Watam? Uh, uh, he was not Watam. That was a different one. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, he, he worked on that and another game. Uh, what was it called? Monument Valley? Oh, that's right. The big breakout iPad game because it was on... Um, it was on that political Netflix show, House of Cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that... Yeah. That game was by him. Um, mm-hmm. However, the narrative design was done by uh, Brooke Mags, who I've mentioned before, I think, on this podcast. And mm. they are currently working, or they were working, last I checked, at um, is it Remedy, and they did mm. they did Control. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, and so yeah, it's just really cool to see like a, a neat progression of like, you know, making a little little iPad game with some rather um, well put together and interesting interactive elements like like florence mm-hmm. and then seeing it move on to be something like huge like you know games like control or, mm. or um, what's the uh, uh, alan wake 2 um uh, yeah i the the 10 people looking forward to that game are very excited <laughs> yeah the 10 people yes <laughs> uh yeah um so yeah th- those were the things that i had to say about about romance in in video games um Hell yeah. Well, I wanted to um, talk about queerness in video games um, for a little bit because, like, from a romantic perspective, this was something that has been embarrassingly absent from video games for fucking ages. Um, But, like, let's just talk about, like, the romance side of things specifically because I think 
overall queerness representation in video games is its own topic big time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just anecdotally, I think I think mainstream games shied away from LGBTQ plus representation for like a really long time. And mm. there, there kind of were gay characters in earlier JRPGs like um, Chrono Trigger, Earthbound, the early Persona games. Um, and like that, you know, they, they had gay characters and even bisexual characters, which is like, you know, wow, um, for, for video games. And so I think like the first game I can remember, um, where you can be meaningfully queer was the Sims, um, which, you know, the first Sims came out in like the early two thousands, like 2000, I want to say, um, and so while mainstream video games had the odd queer character, there wasn't really a significant way for you to interact with queer characters until The Sims. Like, mm. your, your avatar can be gay or bi, you can build a family, you can live together, and you can get babies delivered if you're the same sex. Um, I actually remember getting my, my man avatar pregnant. I can't remember how oh, well. to do. I can't remember how to do that though. I think there's some like UFOs or something that probe you, and you can get men pregnant. Um, mm. When you do that, <laughs> quick, cool. quick, quick aside though, I I played that game with my high school boyfriend. Uh, sorry, my high school girlfriend, and we, um, we made our two avatars to look exactly like us, right? And they were pretty close. And so in the game, we had a baby, right? And it was the ugliest fucking baby you've ever seen. And I just <laughs> uh, thought it was the funniest shit. Yeah. Um, anyway, a couple of years later, Fable comes out. You can be gay in that. I remember marrying heaps of men as a man in that game. Or like mm. a, as a boy? Oh, boy. I haven't played Fable in a long time. Um, maybe that's a sketchy example. Um, <laughs> but like... That's Peter Molyneux. <laughs> But it, it wasn't till I think Mass Effect arrived. Um, I think Mass Effect is kind of the catalyst for boosting queerness in video games to the next level. Like in The Sims and Fable, you could have gay or bi experiences, but in Mass Effect, you could have like proper relationships. And you, you already talked about this a little bit. Like, you had the opportunity to spend so much time with these characters. You could really feel the love. Like, it felt impactful to be queer in those games. It wasn't just like a, these two characters are both men and they're in the same yeah. bed type of deal. It was yeah. like, it, it was more meaningful than that. Um, and, and also, like, I know we're running out of time, but like, Bro, the misrepresentation of queerness in video games, man, mm. maybe maybe that is also its own topic, but, like, <laughs> a, a lot of mainstream media is just super shit at it, and, like, they're especially shit at trying to represent trans people. Like, mm. I mean, look no further than Cyberpunk 2077 for people over-sexualizing what it means to be trans. Like, yeah. in that world, you've got posters of trans people in advertising, which is, like, a good thing. But then whoever designed those posters had, like, hardly any understanding at all, and they just drew someone with huge tits and, like, a rock-hard 12-inch cock straining against their <laughs> undies. And yeah. it's just, like, super dumb, super reductive. Um, you know, being trans doesn't mean you're walking around in heat 24-7. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, one kind of quicker side here where like it's not strictly queer but 
generally polyamory is something that's been around in queer communities for a lot longer than it's been around in like heterosexual communities mm. and minor spoilers for Hades. Um, you have to play quite a bit of Hades to get to this level. Um, but there are romance options in Hades, um, which just develop as you play. There are no like mm -hmm. dialogue options. It's just kind of like, you know, you beat Hades a bunch of times and like you just um, progress all your relationships by giving them gifts, basically. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I remember like the, these two characters I was, I was romancing, I was like, oh fuck, I really love them both. I wish you could, you could romance both, you know, for some reason. Well, not for some reason, just because video games have like, I don't know, written everything within like a frame, like a monogamy framework. I was just expecting to be locked out of one romance option because I chose the other. And, and that doesn't happen in Hades. You can, yeah, right. you can just go for broke. And it's also like thematic because you're a fucking God and gods are like <laughs> mental for having sex with everything that moves, um, yeah. especially in the Greek pantheon. And like, it just, it was so refreshing. I was just like, holy fuck, this is so great. Like, I, you know, both of these characters are hot as hell and I can just go for broke and I don't get punished for it. I really... Yeah. You know, I really like that. Not not to say, like, every game should be like that. Like, in The Witcher 3, it makes sense that Yen is pissed when you've slept with Triss. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's not like everyone needs to be cool with polyamory. But I just thought yeah. it was really refreshing in Hades to, to be able to do it um, and not be punished. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, there's uh, for sure, I think... You know, there's always been problems in video games when it could like AAA, you know, mainstream video game representation. Um, I think there is, you know, with the likes of some of the more of the indie style romance games that we sort of briefly touched on before. Mm. I think there's that that stuff is really, um, you know, the go to place when it comes to if you're wanting to have or wanting to see more representation, you know, on, on the queer side or the trans side or whatever side you want it you wanted to look at mm. that 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 those games tend to be the ones that allow for that um and i think their increasing popularity is a good sign when it comes to seeing more population uh popularity in in uh, or more um you know representation sorry in in mainstream games but i still think it's going to be a, a, a time <laughs> we're going to have a time man trying to trying to get more of this um across the line in in, the, in some of the larger games you know, remember that i don't know if you remember but the kickback from last of us two having you know semi semi manly looking female character that you played as was very confronting for the, all of those terrible sad boys <laughs> fucking hell like, yeah. yeah so I, yeah i uh... did actually forget about that we didn't talk about the last of us two at all because there's some there's some really compelling romance like narrative sections of that game like really compelling um, yeah and like especially in that second half when you're playing as abby I thought, yeah. I thought the the love triangle there was fucking awesome. I mean, yeah. brutal, but really, really great to watch. Yeah, and even in um, the Last of Us one, there was that sort of unspoken relationship between Tess and Joel at the start, which was I thought was like really nicely done. Like it, they mm -hmm. didn't lay it on too thick. It was always just kind of like a little bit there. And, mm -hmm. You know, it was it was a while ago now, so it's probably can be improved on or whatever these days. But yeah, yeah, no, you could tell they had a history for sure. Yeah, which is like a neat thing that a video game 
video games don't, don't often do you know like mm. these characters have a have a history right like that's that's interesting <laughs> like yeah anyway uh it, i think it all plays into this like um you know lived in world style feeling it's like you didn't just rock up and st stuff started happening to you it's like oh mm. these characters you know they've known each other for a long time and you know they have their own preferences and they have their own ideas of what they want from a relationship and whether or not they even want a relationship and so yeah yeah um like i said there's i wish i could give some examples maybe at the start of next week uh i'll um i'll bring some examples of indie games that have quality representation when it comes to romantic options and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I I think I think you're right though. I think it's kind of like Hollywood where it's it's just not going to be a thing for the mainstream, which is like super sad, but it's mm. just been decades and decades and like the mainstream is just still shit at it. And yeah. so I just feel like there's going to be a parallel there with video games um, where really we're going to see the interesting ideas and the accurate representation from much smaller teams who actually give a shit um and it's you know it's it's what we see in a lot of areas that um really is some primordial shit but mm. we would label as progressive like the representation of mental health problems in celeste um yeah. and like you know it's simple effective representation but it's it feels fresh because astonishingly we haven't seen it like that before um, you know, we haven't seen it like it is day to day and yep. yeah, it's, it's totally going to be up to the, the smaller teams who care, I think, to, to kind of create those communities and, and like get the word out there. It's definitely not going to be, and, and, you know, even, even if it is in Call of Duty, like, yeah, if, if we can have a game like The Last of Us where, like, the writing is just really good on average and, yeah, you've just got all these fucking, you know, the the discourse is that of hatred. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's, it's, fuck. I just can't imagine what that might have been like to be someone who enjoys spending their time on the internet um, <laughs> and they, you know, they have their... Uh, queerness as part of their identity you know yeah. like fucking hell and you know they were a part of that discourse because that yeah. just that just must must have felt awful and i think i think that's just really sad because um i felt the game did a really good job of just you know not making a big deal of it kind of like you said about that original relationship um between mm. joel and tess it's just like you know this is how it is the primordial shit is that you know, it's a fact of life, and now we get to focus on, like, the emotional impact of that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah, I think there's, I don't know, this sort of, like, strays a little bit maybe into a different topic, but, like, representation in AAA games being um, problematic from, like, a like a furthering of the discussion standpoint, you know? Like, at a certain, like, you know, like you were just saying, how it was, like, probably quite challenging or you know um mentally draining or you know traumatic for people who um felt that you know being active on the internet during the time of the release of that game and seeing all of the kickback how that you know may have made them feel um mm. whether or not it was actually a positive thing in the end i don't know you know like this there's like it's the whole kind of you know that kind of discussion causing damage you know like it is naughty dog putting that style of relationship in the game doing 
more good than harm? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like representation is important and we totally need to have it um, and have more of it in, in video games. But like, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. It's just like, fuck, what do you do? Yeah, well, I mean, look, if you're listening to this podcast and y you identify as queer and you've had an experience in video games or like in a video game related community that impacted you in one way or another, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, um, me too. I, I think that, you know, I, I feel like our tiny platform, you know, would be <laughs> a, a great imperceptible place to start to, you know, I don't know. I just, I just feel like that kind of stuff. Um, it, it means a lot to me to, you know, mm. at least hear those voices that might otherwise be crushed by like the majority on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yep. Listing is first place to go. <laughs> um, have you got uh, any final thoughts on romance in video games? No, I don't. Um, I do not. Go, go do a smooch. That's what go, I say. Go do a smooch. Oh, you know, the one game that we'd be remiss not to mention um, is from the Persona team, Catherine. Oh, um, that and and it kind of came into my head when you were talking about that like puzzle romance game because mm. this is also a puzzle romance game like the gameplay loop is that um you hang out at a bar and um romance um all these women you're you're like a, a male character in japan and uh the the other side of the gameplay loop is when you go to sleep at night you dream of all these cooked puzzles. Mm. Um, and the gameplay is really fun. I haven't played it for like a really long time. Like I want to say at least eight, seven or eight years. Um, but I remember the, the story and the choices you made being really compelling and like not being able to romance the person I wanted to. Like it was really difficult to kind of get everything right. So if you're into that kind of um dating sim but uh much bigger budget and you know with with stakes in the gameplay and that kind of thing Catherine mm. Catherine was certainly a ride yeah I remember watching Twilight Breeze play it I, ne I never got to play it though it looked like it was a real cool time mm, yeah I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure we played it together he brought it over and yeah. we just smashed through it yeah hell yeah hell yeah right, dude man. Well, I guess we'll uh, leave it there. I don't have any email for y'all, unfortunately. But if you would like to email us, as always, just shoot us a line at itsalmosttheweekendpod at gmail.com. Um, but we uh, hope you have a lovely weekend otherwise, and we'll see you next time when it's almost the weekend again. Hooray! Bye! Bye.